Hello, my friends, and welcome to the latest episode of the Kokoro Movement Podcast. On this episode, we have Dr. Stuart Wilson, who is a physical therapist based out of Littleton, Colorado, and is an instructor for Rock Tape. We had a really fun conversation. So without further ado, Dr. Stuart Wilson. Doing? Well, I'm doing pretty good. So uh, I'm just going to kind of jump right in because I'm really excited about this interview because you're uh, one of those people that I don't really know a whole lot about. So um, let's talk yeah. about let's talk about who you are and uh, what you do and where you're from. Absolutely. Um, so I've been with Rockhead since about 2010, 2011. Um, I started off with them. I was just in the right place at the right time, and uh, just within at the beginning, I knew a wonderful person, the basically the VP of Rock Tape, Allison Evans, Evans and I used to work together, um, and we used to teach for another um, company. And she said, "Hey, you know, I, I'm getting going with Rock Tape, Rock Tape a lot more. Would you like to come over here and, and start to work with us?" Um, so it was a great opportunity to do that. To give you a little more background on myself, I'm a physical therapist. I uh, went to school, Colorado State University, and then went on to Regis University and uh, for graduate school. My first rotation uh, or my first job was actually in Hawaii because that was my last rotation at school. Oh, okay. And I kind of fell in love with fell in love with the endurance athletes from there. Got to see a lot of the triathletes and um, you know the Ironman and, and things like that. And so it started to just kind of take off from there, kind of falling in love with runners and cyclists and kind of that endurance athlete mindset. Okay, and um, then uh, what brought you back to uh, Colorado? Because that's where you're at now, right? <clears throat> right. Um, so I'm back in Colorado because uh, I love the mountains is really what it yeah. really comes down to. Love the mountains and I'm by my family. What yeah. I started to notice is that out in Hawaii, it's a wonderful place awesome place, but um, I was finding more time in the mountains than I was in the ocean, and I said, why am I here? I need to go back to Colorado. Yeah. So I eventually came back and lived in Steamboat and moved back down to Denver, and the rest is history. Right on. And so um, you're in Littleton, so you're pretty close to uh, Steve, is that correct? I am, but unfortunately he's moving. If not, I think he actually already moved to Austin, Texas. Oh, really? Um, so I am no longer right next door to him. Oh. Yeah, normally I'd be about 15, 20 minutes away from him and Allison. Oh, okay. Uh, she's about 10 minutes away from me. Right yeah. On. Yeah, so um, my wife is from Colorado, and her sister actually lives in Littleton, so uh, I'm very familiar with that area. Um, so do you oh, still nice. work? Yeah, yeah, super good. So um, what's crazy is, is that she um, has a 
uh, a hip injury that she's going out to Colorado to get surgery from. And we're actually mm-hmm. driving Dr. back. Yep. And so we're actually driving back to Flagstaff the day before the course that you'll be teaching here. So, you know, that's oh, going to wow. be. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's going to be super hectic. <laughs> um, so, oh, yeah. I bet. Well, if yeah. you need anything, let me know. I'm right. I'm right down the hill from there. Uh, I know oh, you guys are going to bail, obviously, for the surgery. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I have a, a practice as well. I'm a 50% owner in a, a PT and sports performance clinic in Littleton on 470 and uh, Bulls. Okay. And with that, um, you know, we see a lot of sports medicine orthopedic, but we see a lot of hip surgeries as well. Uh, a lot of Dr. Philippon's, um Students, if you will, or you know, the people that did affiliations with him, are right. down here now. You know, doc, Dr. White and um, some of the other ones are really good. So, right on. So you you primarily work with uh, endurance athletes. Is that what uh, your your main clientele is? So my main clientele is anyone that wants to move and is motivated to move better. <laughs> Hands yeah, down. I like it. Um, yeah. And that's what I love to work with. Um, my niche has kind of brought me into more the endurance, specifically more running. I used to do a lot more cycling. Um, I used to do medical bike fits and a few things um, with more cycling in, in that. But lately it's been a lot more running and getting into that world. Um, okay. But, again, still motivated to see anybody that wants to move. So we see a lot of high school and junior high. Uh, that's kind of our um, – particular niche that we got into out here in Littleton. And okay. then, of course, by now, we've it's been around for almost 12 years, and so we're getting the whole family in. We're getting, you know, the moms to the grandparents to um, now younger siblings and even patients that have moved on, graduated from college, and are coming back with their kids. So, Right, um, right. We kind of so, see everything. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about movement is we don't really do it a whole lot anymore. So any kind of movement that you get can be – you know, very restorative and therapeutic nowadays, right? So, you know, because once you get out of elementary school, there's no more recess. You don't get to run around with people anymore. You have to sit as much as possible, and that's when we start to uh, lose a lot of our capacity for movement. Absolutely, and and even worse, if we do start to move in, in, in a club sport or, you know, in a competitive sport, we usually just play that one sport, and that's definitely a recipe for disaster because, if you play just one sport, that's definitely going to set you up for a lot of overuse and, and injury. Right. Um, where we should be playing a number of different sports, and we really should be getting out there and playing. Right. Um, just moving on our own for fun. Right. And so, because I'm coming from a, uh, a CrossFit background, and so CrossFit's notorious mm-hmm. for you know that. So you know they the the it's preached as constantly varied, but you know you're primarily squatting deadlifting and putting stuff overhead and so you just do that constantly every single day with you know as much intensity as you possibly can and you're only moving in that one plane of motion so as soon as somebody deviates from that one plane of motion then their tissues don't have the capacity to support that load and then that's when injury happens in the crossfit space and so yeah i hear hear where you're coming from and so what's interesting is you know we're trying to uh, start preaching better movement in our gym because that's how CrossFit initially started as a supplement to whatever sport that you were doing. And then around 2010, like when you started with Rock Tape, it 
became a sport and now that's only what people train. And so, yeah, I have a lot mm -hmm. of uh, clientele base coming in from there. Um, and then, you know, going back to the running thing, what I think is interesting about running is there's this idea around it that you can just buy running shoes and then just go running. But that's not necessarily <laughs> the case because it's a skill and it's a, and if you don't run correctly and you don't have somebody to teach you how to run correctly, then you get injured in that as well. Right. Absolutely. And just like we're, we're born with, you know, all the mobility that we should have, we have to earn our stability. You know, we right. should be able to squat in this day and age, right. at almost any age, but we lose that ability. And just like running, we, we should be able to run. But unfortunately what happens is when was the last time that somebody actually went for a run or definitely right. when was the last time somebody actually sprinted, right? Yeah. Even yep. if they do run. Right. And same thing with runners. We definitely have the mentality that we enjoy running. Um, let's do more of it and let's neglect the other two sides of it, the mobility and the strength training. And, right. you know, that's, again, doing too much of anything sets you up for, for problems. Right. And that's a, that's a pretty typical problem nowadays because people don't have the time, right? So we're, we're spending too much time working or too much time, you know, sitting or watching, you know, I've been doing an audit of my time recently and I've been spending way too much time on Netflix. So I need to take my dogs out in the woods mm -hmm. instead, you know, so right. it's, uh, doing that time audit. But then, you know, also, um, I'm, uh, a larger athlete. So I have a uh, proclivity towards weightlifting, which is my fun thing. And I don't run hardly at all when I should run more, you know what I mean? So just trying to find that balance mm -hmm. too. And, you know, but it's hard, uh, getting better at stuff that you suck at. So, you know, and exactly. Right. And so it's interesting because I um, was that person. So I started uh, martial arts training and, and that's how uh -huh. I got, that was how I began my athletic career. And then, you know, started using CrossFit to supplement my martial arts training and uh, uh, primarily jujitsu. And then, you know, leg locks started becoming really uh, prevalent in the jiu-jitsu space, and I didn't want to get my legs blown out. So then I just started going towards CrossFit and then started getting all those nagging injuries, you know, just the ones where you're, you don't necessarily have to stop training because you're injured, but the ones that you're just like, God, my shoulder's been bugging me for months, and that's just not a normal thing. Right. right. And so, um, you know, yeah, I don't even know where I was going with that. But uh, so um, <laughs> it's yeah, you know, absolutely we're just, right. And balance is everything. Balance right. of activities, balance of daily life. You know, uh, my director of sports performance and I were just talking about sleep and recovery and how important that is. And right. you really need to have that well balanced workout week, you know, or movement week, and and even stress and and work and everything else. Um, yeah, you know, you need to have a good balance of it all. If you if you're missing too much of anything or you have too much of something, then uh, it, it throws that balance out of out of whack, and again, yeah. it sets you up for something down the road. Because those nagging injuries can turn into something down the road, of course, um, if we tend to neglect them and and keep working them hard. Right, and so that's you know, once I started uh, going back to massage therapy and deciding to make that my full time job, and then going through my first continuing ed course was rock tape. Um, and then after that, mm -hmm. just kind of went down 
rabbit hole after rabbit hole. Like the first one was like the DNS stuff. And then I started, um, you know, doing all my own research on the nervous system because the nervous system is incredibly important. So reading like David S. Butler, uh, Michael Shacklock, like watching all those guys, um, all their mm-hmm. videos and lectures online. And, and, and then I went and took rock blades when it was first introduced. And then having mm-hmm. one of the instructors tell me that you're not working with the muscle necessarily, you're working with the nervous system. And I was like, what does that mean? So then I had to figure all that out. And, you know, <laughs> just, right. just, you know, trying to go deep in each uh, specific thing. And so, um, yeah, talk to me about um, how you incorporate, like, the taping and the rock blades and everything into your uh, practice. Absolutely. Well, just like we are talking about with balance with uh, any athlete or, you know, anyone's work life, for sure, there's balance in the clinic as well as what tools you're using. One of the things we constantly say is the right tool at the right time. You right. know, with tape, we talk about the neurological effects with it, um, how amazing it is on the skin to affect the other system systems below it can affect the muscular system neurological system the you know joint system everything else below that um and even above that there's a great article that showed when they taped the anterior tibialis line of the lower leg that it actually affected the gastrocs and then it actually had an effect all the way up into the glute and the hip um so we're not just getting that one area that we're taping but coming back to how i use it in the clinic is again the right tool at the right time um you know when one of the things I, I teach in my classes, my taping classes, is tr- uh, treat what you tape and tape what you treat. So anything that you want to bridge that gap, you know, where something needs to be more coordinated, have better motor control, and it's not able to get there. In the workout world, we call that progression-regression, right, that you're able right. to assist it. In SFMA, it's called a pattern assist. You're basically just adding an assist to that, to that movement. Um, the tape is a great pattern assist. It's a great way to connect that neurological dot, that motor control system, to help coordinate that event or that movement that you need to. And when we're talking about, um, you know, recovery or fatigue, and before you were talking about doing one thing over and over and over, um, you know, one of the beliefs I have is that injuries happen in transition zones, especially from eccentric to concentric or concentric to eccentric, but especially that eccentric to that concentric movement. So, for example, when a soccer player, especially a female soccer player, is starting to cut and turn her direction of, of play, she starts to slow down eccentrically, then she has to plant and turn and concentrically go the other direction. And that's when you get a lot of your non-contact injuries. So if someone's losing their awareness in that eccentric loading or basically starting to fatigue in that eccentric, adding that neurological component just increases that motor control uh, coordination and balance and everything else and strength and power um, through that system. Right. So the way that I describe it to people is, you know, uh, just being a CrossFit coach is you have a whole class full of people with varying levels of experience. And so there's Mm -hmm. the people that are really experienced. I don't have to focus on coaching them as much because they have their own warm-ups. They have their own, movement patterns, they know where their weaknesses are, um, you know, kind of all the way down the line. So I spend a lot of my time focusing on the newer people, trying to get them to move safely through these complex patterns, right? So then, but every once in a while, you need to glance over and realize that the more advanced people still need help. 
And so that's kind of absolutely that's kind of how I look at it. Like when you are taping a certain part of the body, you're remapping the brain to that area to be like, hey, you need to focus on this spot. And then the brain's like, oh yeah, got it. You know, and then you right. automatically just start moving better. Exactly. And just like a great coach, you know, you go around and you give them all three cues, verbal, auditory, and, and kinesthetic cueing. Uh, the tape is a great kinesthetic cue. So just yep. where a coach wants to put their hand, right? And I say right. that in a lot of my public talks, especially when I'm talking to the running group. You know, where where do you wish someone put their hand? Right. Um, you know, runners get fatigued in their hamstrings and their calves a lot. Um, people that squat tend to have that genuvalgus movement, and you put your hand on the inside of their knee, and you cue them kinesthetically to bring that knee back out. Uh, the right. tape can be a great kinesthetic cue. And the great thing is it stays on the whole time that they're in their activity or sleeping or moving or doing anything else throughout the day. Right, because the nervous system... Absolutely. It's just an extension... Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't even cut you off. No, no, you're good. Keep going. It's just an extension of what we already do. And that's, again, what most good tools are. It's an extension of our philosophy, extension of what we already do, Um, just adding to the value of our coaching or treatment ability. Right. And so the the nervous system is incredibly adaptable, so as soon as you get it on there and have them wear it for whatever the life of the tape is, usually, you know, five to seven days, then they still have that constant input and then their brain starts to pick up that pattern and, you know, the the myelination process starts to, you know, go faster, right? Absolutely. Right. And you talk about even some of the the experienced people in your class, you know, and we we know this. We watch a lot of professional athletes or really good athletes and they are some of the best. They they compensate some of the best, right? Oh, that so they sure. can actually um, change their 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 patterns to make up for some kind of weakness that they have or a mobility problem or whatever else. Um, you know, so a lot of the times, even those experienced people can still benefit from you know coaching or how why am I here? How can I utilize those tools to make me even better what I already do? Right. For example, so, we had a a really good crossfitter in our in a class in Florida, he was extremely competitive and doing really well in the competitions, um, but he failed some of our tests in our class, specifically the squat test and the push-up test. And how many right. squats and push-ups do you do in CrossFit, right? Yeah. Uh, and he said, this is great. I, I want to be number one, so how do I do it? Why am I failing these? How can I get even better? And by the way, I have lower back pain when I do all this stuff, so how do I get rid of that so it doesn't, you know, get in my way? Um, and that's just, again... Yeah, as Perry says it so well, you know, pain is really just um, an expression for for needing help, right? Right. Or pain is basically asking for help. Right. And uh, so I just got done uh, with all three levels of the neurokinetic therapy, and every class that I go to, they're finding all these dysfunctions, and I'm just like, how do I even do half the stuff that I do? But like you said, you're just a master of compensation. So if this isn't working properly, then your body just mm-hmm. figures out other ways to support that load or, you know, make that movement pattern work. And so, and then you wonder where that that nagging pain is coming from. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really interesting stuff. And yeah. That's, <laughs> and, yeah, absolutely. And there's a, um, I don't know if you heard of David Eagleman. He's basically a, a neuroscientist. Um, he has a good TED Talk and even a PBS show. 
but he basically talked about how the brain is the most amazing computer ever, right? It's this right. little glob of tissue that sits in this dark box, and it gets all this input from all these different wires, and then it has to send output on, on how to what to do with it. But the right. most amazing function of the human brain is that it looks for patterns, and right. it starts to make sense out of these patterns, and then it knows what to do, and it starts to organize uh, its response to these patterns. And I think that's really what our job is, is to help that patterning, you know, to influence that input or influence better patterning so that the brain can organize a better output. Yeah, that's the, and just the amount of input that comes in every day that we don't even pay attention to. And, you know, your body, your brain's just constantly reacting to that. And like the, the reality is as much as we know, we don't know anything. So we're constantly learning and there's constantly uh, books coming out and, you know, people just constantly studying just the nervous system and just the brain, and they're constantly discovering new things about it and how adaptable it is. And, yeah, it's just, it's, I don't even. Absolutely. How we even figure and that when out. When I get overwhelmed, because I, I do once in a while, I get overwhelmed. There's so much to learn, right? Where do I start? Right. Where do I go next? You know, I got right. an hour to read. What am I going to read tonight? Um, and, you know, I've learned that, Actually, it's really exciting because we have all this new information that we can. We're not just doing the same old thing. Um, we can actually get excited about all this new information in this new direction that we're going. Because not only are we in a movement rena renaissance, we're in definitely in a neurological renaissance right now. Um, right. We're starting to realize that it, you know, that muscles and joints and other tissues aren't something to ignore. But definitely, this neurological influence is huge and, and highly neglected. Right. Um, like the other planes in the body that you're talking about in, in CrossFit. You know, it all goes together. You can't forget about squats and push-ups in CrossFit, but you definitely want to start training those other movement uh, directions and those other planes of motion. And just like that, you want to go ahead and start in, using the influence of that neurological system, both input and output of the neurological system. Correct. And then even in, like, the running space, so, like, you know, there's people that just, you know, they are just running and running and running, but then they're want a different uh, change of scenery and then they go run on a trail instead of on the asphalt. And then, you know, once that, that movement pattern deviates from the front, from the, uh, the sagittal plane into the frontal plane and they roll their ankle on a rock, that's when the injury happens because they're not used to the, the, the cutting and the turning like they, like in uh, other sports like football or soccer or whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely, and that goes for running and, and definitely any other sport that you groove the pattern too deep in one direction or one plane or one motion. Uh, so, and then talking about being overwhelmed, because it's incredibly overwhelming, like my Kindle wish list is just action-packed full of books that <laughs> I haven't read yet. So, you know, a friend of mine, uh, we were having um, dinner last weekend in Chicago, not in Chicago. God, I've taken too many courses in a row. Um, in San Diego, and he was talking about the uh -huh. cliff, right? So, you know, because he's a, a doctor of chiropractic, and he started two years ago, and I started my uh, massage practice three years ago, and then we're looking at people like you that have been, you know, you said since uh, 2010, and how long have you been practicing for? Ah, 18 years now, and it flies yeah. by. Absolutely. See, that's what I'm yeah. saying. So you're 18 years up the cliff, and I'm only three years up the mm -hmm. cliff. So then you're looking at that guy being like, how does that guy know so much stuff? 
but you had to you had to take the time and you had to read and you had to you know take all your education courses and you had to watch all your videos and you know google all your stuff and ask all your mentors and you just have more experience so i think it's more important to focus on what you're learning in the moment and go deep into that and just uh you know keep that pattern going because now we're in this day and age of information you know where like you and and Steve Capobianco and like you know Dr. Perry Nicholson you guys have this lifetime of knowledge and then I just sign up for a weekend course and learn a bulk of it you know what I mean so I'm at an advantage compared to where you were probably 18 years ago right so just well, yeah exactly and, and you're coming in with the right attitude you said something really wise and that's you know that um, there's still a lot to learn that the right. more you learn, the more you learn that you don't know. And that's the, the really true thing because that's the wisest man in the room. The guy that right. says he knows everything is the most dangerous guy in the room. The guy that's quiet and says, Hey, you know, we got a lot to learn. Like Dr. Bianco is a prime example of that. Oh, yeah. Um, he's absolutely humble enough to say, I don't know everything. In fact, the more I learn, the more I, I don't know. And, but he has the ability and the, the drive. And I think that's the, the next piece that you need to really try to own your craft. You know, Will Smith talked about that, how, you know, every moment of the day he's owning his craft. He's he's up early. He goes to bed late. He's just trying to earn his craft so he's better than the next guy. And more importantly, because he loves it. And I think that's the key that you have to realize that um, nothing is fixed and that you have to have a true motivation to learn more about it and a true passion for it. And then you're going to be, quote, successful. But your successfulness is never a destination. It's always a journey. Um, right. You know, we're, we're never, we're never, we never become gurus. We're always students. And I think if you keep that attitude, um, then you'll be extremely successful down, down the road. Well, and then just being open-minded is really important too, because you can't just be so entirely focused on just one modality and one thing, because then, you know, that understanding of that thing could change. And then all of a sudden you're left behind, you know, so like the, the, and I've said this before, multiple podcasts, so I'm kind of uh, beating a dead horse here, but what my favorite thing about the Rock Tape podcast is like, or the Rock Tape uh, courses, is you guys give us all this information, and then you're like, here's where we learned it, go learn it, you know? So, yep. like, because I just took the uh, the Rock Blades Advanced course back in February, and at the end of the course, you're like, here's all the books that we learned this from. You should go further your understanding of this. And then, you know, since then I've read uh, the dermo neuromodulation book and you know there's just mm-hmm. just the amount of nervous the, the amount of education that you could get just on different aspects of the nervous system is just insane and so you know it's like i said uh with my kindle wish list just gives me a lot of anxiety because there's so many books i haven't read in there just focus on the book that you're reading because if you focus on the book that you want to read next then you're not going to get the message from the book that you're reading at the moment Absolutely. Just just like training, right? Right. If you, you can't say, hey, I'm going to be you know, the number one in the area or anything else, what I need to do is work on my daily workout, my daily one, and then I can improve from there. Right. Um, you know, if we think too big or we're too hard or, you know, we try to get off the couch and run a marathon, you know, we're, we're in for problems. we got to take it one workout at a time or one, you know, educational experience at a time. Right. Um, so I'm – 
really obsessed with the foot right now. So I took a, a uh-huh. functional range conditioning with Dr. Andrea Ospina. And, you know, we did the whole morning routine where we're going through cars and every different joint. And then he's like, and this is what you should do with your foot. And then he demonstrated it. And he's like, now you try. And then we were all just staring at our feet for a couple minutes. And he's like, if you're mm-hmm. staring at your foot like it's an alien, then that's attached to your body and you have no idea what to do with it, then you need to practice foot multiple times a day. And so ever since then, I've just been obsessed with the foot and, um, you know, all of these uh, podcasts have been coming out, like Shante Cofield just uh, interviewed uh, uh, Courtney Conley and gave Mm -hmm. us a whole litany of information. Is that something that you work with a lot in your clinic too, especially with uh, runners and uh, the endurance athletes? Absolutely. You, you definitely, if you work with endurance athletes, you see a lot of feet and you start to have a passion for it. Right. Uh, I'm also really lucky because Courtney lives about 20, 25 minutes away from me. Oh, so okay. she's awesome. Um, and she's brilliant at what she does. So, um, I mean, absolutely. I love the foot. And for me, um, it, it's just because it's it's usually neglected, right? right. Um, and people don't give it the the, definitely the um, anything, the power that it should be. Um, it's really an important body part that there's a reason why there's so many different bones in the foot, right? Yeah. And there's a reason why it differentiates us from a lot of the other um, animals that are on the earth. We're able to walk on two feet on almost any terrain and do almost anything with our feet, um, you know, on those different surfaces. It's absolutely amazing. And there's a reason that it's structured the way that it is and that it can move the way that it is. Um, it allows us to be bipedal, it allows us to walk, it allows us to stand on one foot and not fall over. Um, it's absolutely an amazing structure. Um, but then, you know, we invented running shoes and now we have now we have this complete disconnect from the ground. So one of the things that, you know, that I've learned recently is, you know, just take your shoes and socks off and experience the world because there's thousands of nerve endings in the foot and that's how your body sees. And so that's one thing that I've been practicing in order to restore foot function. And I think I got that from, uh, you know, Dr. Perry Nicholson's podcast talking with the foot collective where, you know, if you want to restore foot function, just start using your foot outside on uneven surfaces, walking through river rocks and, you know, just, and it's, it's a whole new experience for me and I'm really excited about it. Um, so Mm -hmm. like, Let's talk about um, how restoring your foot function can start to get rid of kind of other ailments like uh, plantar fasciitis or Achilles tendonitis and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm definitely a what I call a victim and culprit guy. That a lot yeah. of the times the victim, which is the injury, right, and this isn't any kind of new theory, um, is usually coming from a culprit, which is somewhere else. And that's our job. Yeah. That's why we get you know, that's why we go to school and that's why we have so much fun with our jobs. We're Sherlock Holmes in the body. Oh, amazing. Um, and the foot definitely has a lot of, it causes a lot of problems and it also gets, um, you know, abused because of a lot of other injuries that are going to, or other dysfunctions that are happening throughout the body. Um, you know, if you talk about plantar fasciitis, there's so many different causes for plantar fasciitis um, that are even above the foot that I think you really have to take a look at the entire body. Um, you know, just sciatic nerve tension alone can cause a lot of dysfunction in the in the arch of the foot, which gets confused with plantar fasciitis a lot of the times, or right. even can cause plantar fasciitis. 
Um, so you really have to take a look at, you know, not just the, the lumbar spine, but definitely up the entire posterior line of that of that leg. Um, and you can find a lot of different dysfunctions. Um, one study showed that, you know, 60% of plantar fasciitis is caused by a tight calf or, tri, you know, triceps raised dysfunction. And right. so I think you definitely have to look above and below that foot. Um, you know, we start, we say start using the foot, right? Absolutely. Uh, we need to do that. Just like everything, you can't neglect the foot. You need to treat locally and globally to get a lot of relief on what's going on with the foot. So generally when I take a look at it, um, I try to figure out where the victim and where the culprit is because the culprit really is going to allow for the long-term healing. Um, and then you really try to figure out, is it a top-down problem or is it a bottom-up problem? And you start to figure out which is going to be your biggest driver. Am I going to start driving the, from the foot up? Um, or do I need to really work on the hips or the back or drive from the top below to really change what's going on at the foot? Um, that's why I think, that's why I enjoy the SFMA so much is because you don't guess the test. You actually go in and test it out. And you start to say from head to toe, where is the dysfunction at? Even if I don't think it's coming from another body part, I need to go ahead and measure all those other areas so that I can figure out what's causing that dysfunction at that foot. Because most right. of the time, the victim... It's not its fault. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's really important for um, me to hear because, you know, the, the way that I would treat it before is by, you know, testing the, the global gait pattern and figuring out where the dysfunction is that the foot is making up for. And usually it's in the hip, and it's usually in the hip because, you know, we're not on our feet as much we're sitting more often. And so, you know, me being hyper-focused on the foot, because that's my new favorite thing right now, and then you being like, no, sometimes it's up here. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So it's really important that yeah. I talk to people like that. So. Absolutely. And I think that's the, the biggest thing is you never know where it's coming from. Um, that's why you have to go in and actually test it out. So um, I even have an orthopedic surgeon here that sends a lot – uh, patients to me that are, quote, you know, needing orthotics, and really the best thing that I can do for them is just do a full body evaluation before we even talk about orthotics, because um, that's usually the dysfunction, you know, that somewhere else is causing that foot to be dysfunctional, and it's not just about having a flat foot. <laughs> There's so much right. more to it. And then, so that's another thing I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, thank you for bringing that up. So we're, you know, I feel like um, a lot of these uh education courses that I go to, I meet a lot of different people. A lot of them are uh, chiropractors and physical therapists, and they're starting to kind of change the way that the, the their profession is practicing. So, you know, for instance, like the, the typical chiropractor sees, you know, anywhere from six to eight people an hour, and they just do the typical kind of run-through and look at your feet, be like one shorter than the other, and then give you an orthotic, and then you're kind of off to the races. And then you see me three times a week indefinitely until you get better. And then, you know, there's I've been to um, some physical therapy appointments where they're working with, you know, three or four people at a time, and then I start to kind of wonder how are you seeing if this, any of these movements or any of these exercises are making a difference? Or how are you seeing if any of these spinal manipulations are making a difference in this person if you're not spending that much time with them? 
or you're not focused on that one person. So I want to um, have you kind of break down for me what your typical session looks like when uh, somebody comes into your um, comes into your practice. Sure. Um, I think that's a bigger discussion, um, and I'll try not to go into too much of a soapbox because that's very near and dear to me is that, yes. you know, we are hurting our patients. We're hurting our profession by watering it down so much, by seeing right. so many patients per hour, um, by doing all the different things. And we have to live in a reality. You know, patients can only pay so much, or if we use insurance, they only reimburse so much. So I, I get that. I think we still need to fight with what's right for not only the patient, but what's right for the provider. Um, so many times I see these clinics that are seeing two to three to four, you know, five patients an hour, and the provider's not getting any better. They don't have any time. They're barely surviving, let right. alone learning and growing and trying to produce the best treatment. They're lucky enough to get the right treatment off, let alone learn from it and grow from it. So right. I think it's not just about what minimum minimal dose do they need, you know, that I, I always say this to my students that I get. It's not what could you do, it's what you should do. And I right. think that's really important is that we still need to keep that in, in focus with our treatments. Um, so I could go down that rabbit hole quite a bit, but I'll stay off of that. Okay. Um, so I, I think the the thing we need to keep in, in mind is what's best for the patient, what's best for the provider as well um, for, to benefit the profession and move us forward. Um, in my practice, I see patients about uh, 50% of the week, and then I do admin and, and rock tape and other stuff the rest of the week. Um, so with that, uh, we usually see patients every half hour. Uh, they can bleed into the next one. Um, we definitely allow enough time to go ahead and do a uh, reevaluation each time. So we kind of fly through a quick movement assessment, kind of water down SFMA, if you will, um, kind of make sure everyone's doing you, you know, you're right on the right path. Um, I always say our, my second and my third appointment is the most important appointment that there is because it proves my theory wrong or right that I looked at in the evaluation. Right. Um, and then we go ahead and um, tweak each, each time where we think we need to go with our plan of care. I think the most important thing is that most is, is that first five to ten minutes of really listening to that patient. And I think that doesn't matter what profession you're in. It's truly listening, and not just to their words, but how they're acting, how they're moving. And again, this isn't anything new either, but you'll find a lot of successful providers, this is what they do. They just innately listen to their clients, and they watch how they move. They listen to the words that they repeat. They look for their neurological responses. They look for the, how they're avoiding certain movements, or they're going towards certain things. And you start to put all that together, and you really listen to their movement patterns. Um, and that will allow you to, you know, find the right tool at the right time. Right. And so that brings us back to the nervous system too, right? So, and then that goes back to mm -hmm. uh, sleep and recovery and how's that going, how's this going? You know, so there's um, your treatment should reflect that also because I find that there's some, uh, some of my athletes are also, you know, first responders. And so they – stay up for 72, 48 to 72 hours, depending. And then they, you know, try to work out and get injured because, and then because their, their, you know, nervous system is already blown out. And then they're adding this 
another stress response on top of that when they should be, you know, kind of winding down their workout, like doing more like bodybuilding type stuff, more, you know, stuff to downregulate their nervous system instead of upregulate their nervous system because they've just been going and going and going for so long. So then my, the, the, the body work that I give them should also reflect that. So, you know, I should be more of, you know, the rock blade type stuff where I'm doing a lot more of the feathering, more doing down regulating things because they've been under tension for so long. And so just listening to them and doing that kind of as they're walking in, how are you feeling? Did you just get off of work? What's going on? You know, how's your sleep patterns? How's your eating? How's this? How's that? Because that all has a influence on how their body actually feels because if they're you know stressed out then they're just eating just to eat you know which is something that i tend to do so i have experience from that but like and then so whatever you're eating just to eat then that could be causing inflammation so then we probably need to address gut and lymphatic stuff instead of you know body work stuff and so it's uh it's just kind of a complicated process so paying attention to your your uh your client or your patient is really important Absolutely. And none of us are going to be perfect in any way, right. shape, or form. All we can do is just keep trying to do better, right? Right. Um, and as we learn more, we get better and better at what we do, uh, whether we're the client or the provider, for sure. Right. Um, so with that, I mean, it comes back to that same balance. I, you know, I think the most important thing, I wish we all had a wellness coach when someone walked in to get treated, you know, whether it's PT, yeah. chiro, massage, or whatever, and that wellness coach could take a look at their whole entire life balance and say, okay, where is your stress level? Where is your sleeping? All those different things. I think that should be our gatekeeper, honestly, to, to just medicine alone. Right. Um, but when you start coming in and saying, all right, what's my job as a, either a coach or a provider, um, you have to ask them, what do they need? We, we right. get this a lot in our, on our performance side. You know, sometimes these kids are, are playing their sport all the time. They're going to one or two practices a day, and then their parents sign them up for a performance class, and then they come in and they expect to sweat and get beat up again. And, you know, a lot of the times the, the best measurement of a workout is how hard you sweat and how much you want to throw up, right? Which right. isn't always what's best for them. Right. Um, so instead we say, what does that kid need? You know, do they just need a recovery day? Do they need right. to actually slow themselves down, That not just that neurological, but, you know, the physiological as well? Um, you know, and I think that's where we need to build in, you know, what does their, their life look like? A lot of times when I give people home exercises, I say, all right, you know, these are the vitamins to your movement. So basically, you know, you're not moving well at your hip, and that's causing a lot of other problems. If you do these exercises and continue to do them, you know, this is something that you're missing in your, your movement diet. And you can right. go ahead and supplement it with these movement patterns, and you'll start to get some of your movement back. Um, so I think that's what our job is, is to look at the holes and what they do. Um and try to fill those holes with, with what they need, not always what they want. And right. that's the hard part. Because sometimes those, you know, those um, per, those people come in, those athletes that have worked for 24, 48 hours, they come in completely depleted and they just want to go ahead and get a good workout because it's their one hour to do it. And you have to talk to them about, well, maybe something else is better for you right now. Right. Yeah, it's perfect. It's a, it's a pretty hefty job description. Like you said, we just have to do the best we can. You know, and the the health coach thing is really interesting because me and my wife always say if we had disposable income, we would just spend it 
on somebody to just cook our food for us so we just don't eat bad all the time because she's a, you know, CVICU nurse and I'm a CrossFit coach and a massage therapist, so I'm, you know, constantly in and out of the house too. And most of the time, you're just like, I just want Thai food or I want, you know, whatever, pizza. Let's just get pizza. We're both tired, whatever. We'll just get it. You know what I mean? And so right. just the, the nutrition, I think, is is the hardest part because it's the biggest kind of uphill battle. Like you're, there's so much garbage food so readily available, and the in order to have good nutrition, you have to put through a substantial amount more effort, and you have to plan ahead, and that's really hard to do in this day and age where everything's just go, 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 you know. So just having, like like I said, Absolutely. if I have disposable income, just having somebody cook for me to where I just come home and it's just ready, ugh, that'd be the best. But instead, you know, we got to focus, focus on that effort, right? So, cause, I mean, you, you know, talk about, you know, being overwhelmed. There's a lot of overwhelming bullshit that's out there, too, as far as nutrition. Right. There's, you know, more stuff that's out there that's incorrect about nutrition than almost anything. And right. it's really hard to figure out what's right, what's not. And then right. you talk about trying to really customize it just like a workout. You know, customizing yep. someone's diet, you know, is, is extremely difficult when you're doing the right thing, let alone with all this misinformation that's out there. Right. Um, so with us, we generally, we also have, we contract with a nutrition coaching uh, company, and they come in, they're, you know, their niche is definitely um, endurance athletes as well, but they work with anyone because almost everyone comes down to the, you know, similar nutrition uh, customization that they want. Um, and that's an extremely p- important part of whatever workout or stress plan that they're trying to deal with is right. that nutrition programming. Right. And, you know, our coaches even have a tough time with it sometimes, and, um, you know, they don't follow a lot of the fad diets or the fad things that are out there as well. Right. And it's, uh, I mean, the nutrition aspect is hard, especially, you know, like I'm sure you're a busy guy. Like you said, you're you're – you're 50% practice and then 50% admin and then you're doing rock tape on top of that. You know what I mean? That's got to be difficult to plan that stuff out. Two little kids. You know. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't, yeah, I just have two dogs. I don't have kids. So it's just, but even then you're just like, <laughs> oh, God, I just want to have food ready, you know, <laughs> or somebody make it for me. Right. You know what I mean? I'll pick this up on the way home. And, you know, that's just, then you get fall, you fall into that trap and, and, you know, I'm learning a lot about, you know, the lymphatic system and and gut inflammation and how that affects the rest of your body. And so, you know, that's the the first thing that if I start feeling all these aches and pains everywhere, that's the first thing that I address is my diet because that's the first thing to go out the window, you know. So, and, yeah, right. and then uh, that's and where... one of the hardest things to change, right? Right, right, because, you know, the that habit is so ingrained and it's it's easy to get back into it because you know garbage food tastes so good <laughs> it's just so getting into right. the uh the not being so much in for the pleasure of eating but also you know just focusing on what you're putting in your body and that's how it's manifesting in your performance you know regardless of if it's just in your work performance or your athletic performance or just, you know, we'll just lump it all into human performance. Like, your inflammation will affect that. And so you need to focus on which foods are causing that inflammation. 
and get them out of your diet. And it's, like I said, it's so hard because there's so much food that's just readily available that you could just grab on the way home. And it's not the best, but, you know, it's something. So, yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. That you, and then you talk about our food industry is also extremely hard to, to deal with as well. Right. Um, we have a son that's severely allergic to soy, and so we're extremely aware of what's in the ingredients and all these different foods, and it's changed our world as far right. as we thought we were eating healthy before, but, man, are we really looking at the ingredients a lot closer now. And, for example, we had um, – we had eggs, and the, it wasn't a soy-free feed to the egg to the to the chicken. Oh, so the yeah. soy was actually going through their system into the egg, and so we get a lot of that. So our food industry itself is not very clean, oh, uh, let alone you know what what's going with everything else. So uh, just when you think again, you think you're doing the right thing. There's always somewhere else to learn. It's always somewhere else to improve. Right. I think and the moral that, of the story is you know let's not get overwhelmed. Let's actually take it as an opportunity. How but, can we yeah. actually get ourselves better, right? Right. How can right. we be smarter about what we're doing? Right. And then, the, you know, speaking of the lymphatic system, that was one of my uh, uh, favorite things about the, the new Mohawk is that, you know, that feathering, that comb attachment, because that's what you're attacking mm-hmm. there, right? It's like the, the inflammation, the lymphatic system, you know, getting that flowing throughout the body. And that's incredibly important for everybody to learn, especially, you know, if you're in the, um, in the massage therapy space because, you know, we, when I went, I actually went to massage therapy school twice, once in uh, the year 2000 and mm-hmm. then once, uh, you know, three years ago. And the lymphatic system was, was very, it was just kind of brushed over. It was like a one day thing. This is how, this is what it is. This is how you work on it. Okay. We're moving on, but it's incredibly important. And it, you know, that lymph needs to move and in a, in a, you know, society kind of uh, digressing of what we were talking about earlier in a society where there's a severe lack of movement, where a big portion of what our job is, is having people relearn how to move their bodies. You know, that's the lymphatic issue is going to be really big. And that's where that comb attachment comes, uh, comes in handy is uh, really addressing that. Absolutely. And again, finding out where their dysfunction is, you know, what actually is going on with that client or that patient? Where do we need to go ahead and pack? Correct. Yep. Absolutely. More, more tools than and, the toolbox. And pain response, too, is, is great with that, too. You know, as we're learning about, you know, the caress or the feathering, how that's helping with pain mitigation is, is incredible versus the, you know, smash the tissue and beat it up as hard as you can. Right. Right. And, um, yeah, it's just one of those courses that was really put together, well put together, and I, you know, applaud whoever put those rock blade courses together because they are phenomenal and you just learn so much from them and you know you could just tell that there was a lot of time and uh you know self-education put into those and they weren't just kind of trying to throw them out willy-nilly like there was it was calculated and planned out it was really good course and so i'm really pumped that you're coming to teach it here in flagstaff it's going to be really fun Absolutely. And Steve and, and had the help of Ethan and a bunch of other instructors. And, you know, again, Dr. Bianco is just a, a brilliant guy and, and humble. Uh, and he's a constant learner. And he yep. doesn't stop at just, you know, what's being done. It's, hey, how can we do this better? And how can we bring in some other approaches that are working somewhere else into what we're doing rather than just the same old way? So he's yep. doing a great job with the education. 
And I'm just lucky enough to, um, again, be in the right spot at the right time and be able to be in with these guys um, and and be able to teach this information and really enjoy that process um, because that's one of the things I love to do is take that person that's never done this or has done it a hundred times and, you know, let's have a good open discussion about how this works and let's put it to the test and, and really learn how to apply it because I think that's the most important thing. You know, we can all read a book. We can all watch a, um, a video on things, but that practice, that hands-on ability to have someone else in there with you to show you, hey, this is what it feels like. This is the response I get or the experience that I've had with this particular tool. Um, you know, you can't get that through auditory or, or book information. Right. And so, you know, to steal the title of a book from uh, Tim Ferriss, like I feel like Rock Tape has done a great job of literally creating a tribe of mentors. And so that's why a majority mm-hmm. of the interviews that I've done for this podcast have been Rock Tape instructors because, you know, you guys are – finding the right people that are that are really passionate about delivering that message and you know have and actually practice it and it's yeah so you guys have just a brilliant army of people out there just spreading that message and i think that that's you know um you guys are changing the world through that you know because you can uh thank you yeah and so you know i was talking to uh David Weinstock, the the founder of Neurokinetic Therapy, which is a big part of my practice, and it's kind of the, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you want to change the world, you've got to start by, you know, first addressing yourself and then, you know, learning and, like, educating people is basically what I'm saying. So, you know, the fact that you guys Mm -hmm. do so many courses a year, there's thousands of practitioners that are out there with that information making a difference and in people's lives because if you can get somebody out of pain and get them moving better again then that literally changes their lives and if you're doing that for hundreds of people a year and then you have thousands of practitioners all over the world then you're literally changing the world and that's amazing and it's you know kind of overwhelming to think about but yeah I'm I'm really you know I'm really proud to have that rock tape education and and and, you know, be a part of it like the best that I can by spreading the message the best that I can. Absolutely. Thank you for doing that. And thanks for inviting me to be on this podcast. This is great. Oh, absolutely. Um, no, we we love it when much. other people reach out and say, you know, how can we how can we spread the word even more? So thank right. you very much. No, absolutely. Uh, no, and I appreciate your time for coming on the podcast. So, um, and I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I do want to ask you, um, what are you studying right now? What books are you reading right now? It's funny. I'm actually halfway through the Tribe of Mentors because um, oh, okay. I love that eclectic approach. Um, yeah. You know, it's an, incredible that we have so many other people in so many other fields to learn from. Right. Um, my wife is a graphic designer, and I get jealous when I go see what she gets to learn Yeah, because it's so different from what we're doing, and it, it works so well. Right. Um, but, you know, just looking at the, the stuff I have next to my bed, um, you know, a lot of it is about runners, of course. Uh, I just got a new one, Let Your Mind Run, um, Adina Kassor, and um, just a few other books that I'm working on that, um, you know, I, I feel like I have 10 or 12 of them going at the same time. Right. Um, but I would say a lot of them are, are either on motivation or uh, movement or endurance athletes. Okay. Cool. Yeah, the the... 
I don't have the tribe of mentors, but I have the uh, tools of the Titans. And that's just one of those books that you can just open to any page and learn something anytime you want. Yeah. So that's a, that's a phenomenal book too. Absolutely. And that positive mindset, you know, that why I bring up that one book is because I read a review on it. I haven't read Let Your Mind Run yet, um, but it basically is how she was able to change her mindset from right. feeling like she was not a good runner to absolutely being able to conquer her run and improve herself to, you know, such an Olympic level. So it's pretty amazing um, what the mind can do. Right. I always said the mind can make you sick and the mind can heal you as well right. and do some extraordinary things. So um, you, you never say never and... Um, you know, that's one thing I've learned with my patients is that when they come in and they say, I'm going to run a marathon in a couple months, um, you don't put it past them. Right. Or if they come in and they say, you know, I just can't continue to run at all. I, I, I can't figure out where it's coming from. A yeah. lot of the times it's not just physiological. So right. the power of the mind is is huge. Yeah, and I just uh, finished a book called You Are the Placebo, which is uh has that message as well kind of mixed in with like the epigenetics component where, you know, you create the environment that uh, your body lives in. So if you are saying, well, you know, one of my, one of my most hated phrases is I'm getting too old. You know, like for what? Like, you know what I mean? If you, if, you know, you went into the mountains of Nepal and asked some 80-year-old man, hey, are you too old to climb up and down this mountain every day? He'd be like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? So, like, if you're too old to, you know, ride a mountain bike up a hill, I don't buy that for a second. So that's, but that's you creating the environment for yourself to live in, right? Or, you know, if you just walk around all day talking to yourself about how you feel like shit or, you know, then you're creating that environment for your body. And then, you know, if you're just saying, no, I can do this, then you can. And it's just the way that it is. And that, you know, in the, the CrossFit space, just being a coach, there's a lot of people, well, I can't do that. Well, I think you can, so prove me wrong. You know what I mean? So let's like, I, I haven't even seen you try yet. So how do you know if you haven't failed, you know? And then that's the other thing is like teaching people that failure is not a bad thing. It's just a thing. Like if you are, doing a deadlift and you fail, then you know what your limit is now. And now you know where to work at it from. If you tried to run a marathon and you failed, now you learned exactly what you need to do next time in order to complete that marathon. You know what I mean? So you can either let that failure defeat you or you can let it progress you to be even stronger, a better person. Right. And it's funny that you bring that book up, Tribe of Mentors, because that, you know, he asked a number of questions to all these famous people in different settings, and that was one of his questions. You know, what was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? And every single one of them had a massive failure that they either learned from or they didn't. And obviously those people in those books, you know, that book learned from it and did something different. Um, So absolutely. And talking about repetition, um, that's really important. What we say to ourselves every day, our words matter, what we repeat to our patients. Um, But that's the only thing I say about age is the only problem with age versus, you know, just the aging of the the body is that repetition. So right. if they continue to sit at a desk as a, you know, as a lawyer CPA for 40 years, they're going to have repetition of that patterning, right? So that's more yep. of the dysfunction about that guy riding his bike more than just, hey, it's my age. Right. Um, and now it's our job to go ahead and take away that last 40 years <laughs> right. and try yep. to improve it. Yeah. And then, you know, just learning from 
anywhere. So like you said, you just, you learn a lot from Will Smith and I have too, just following that guy on Instagram, you know, like there was one rant that he went on where he was in this, you know, he was on vacation in this beautiful tropical Island and, you know, was Mm -hmm. realized that he was at peace and then went to turn on the news and then ultimately realized like, why am I turning on the news? Because that agitates me. Why do I need to agitate this peace that I have discovered right now? Like, why do I need to disturb that when instead I should be sitting and, and, and being with this peace that I have discovered in this moment? And I thought that that was really huge. And I'm like, wow, Will Smith's crushing it right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That guy's amazing. I absolutely love listening to him. And right. Simon Sinek is another big uh, one that I follow as well. He said some amazing things. You know, he talked about, he gives this, I love this great example of he says, you know, when your wife fell in love with you, it wasn't one thing, right? There's a number of repetitions of things. You held the door, you were nice to her, you know, right. you did all these different things for her. Um, and then he says, you know, we don't just get better at what we do one day. We don't go get fit in one day by doing one hard workout. We can't go work right. out for four hours and, you know, be in shape. But what right. we do is a lot like brushing our teeth, that if every single day we work on something to get ourselves better, then right. over the long run we're going to be better down the road. And I think that's key. I tell my patients that a lot. You know, you're not going to get yeah. better by tomorrow. But what we're right. going to do is we're going to continue to whittle away at this to make you better in the next couple of weeks and for right. the long run. Right. The diet's the same thing. Like you can't eat, you know, a salad for lunch and then be like, why has my six pack showed up yet? You know what I mean? You got to put work in. Right. And so I also, you know, bring up the fact to uh, my clients is how long did it take you to get to here? Because it's going to take you time to get out of it. You know what I mean? So like, Absolutely. you know, if you've, if you've, if you've been working on this injury, for 10 years, then it's going to take a while for you to get out of that injury, you know, and like you said, just repetition, just feeding your body those motor patterns and making that injury a, a non-issue again. Absolutely. Everyone in my taping class, they love to ask, how much do I use tape, right? They're like, you have an example for almost anything. And I said, well, it depends on their potential to heal. You know, right. if someone has steel rods going down their thoracic spine for scoliosis, you're not going to change that that particular patterning with tape, right? You may help decrease their pain, help with inflammation, but you're specifically not going to change their movement because they have some steel rods. Or if someone has a fused foot or a fused body part, it's really hard to change the movement in that area. But that's why we say the right tool, the right tool at the right time. But what yeah. is their potential to heal? Someone right. that is coming in with either a lot less function than than another person, obviously they're going to take a little bit longer to get to that point. Um, right. So that's one analogy that I, I use with my patients in my class a lot is, you know, what's the patient's potential to heal? Where would you start normally? Right. Um, you know, you already have great skills. Again, let this be an extension of what you already do. We're not saying drop what you already know and do just tape or just do a tooling or, you know, use this philosophy. It should be what you're already doing to be successful and just add on to it with another tool. Yep. I like it. All right. I'm uh, I'm done taking right. up your time. So, um Thank you so much. Yeah, for absolutely. The Thank you, Jesse. And, yeah, and the conversation was really fun. And um, yeah, I'll see you sometime in the end of June. Sounds great. Look forward to right. it. Thank you so Ab- much, Jesse. Have a great day. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.